So tell us your name and a little bit about your family. Sure, so my name is Amy Grendel. I attend here at Sea Road with my husband Fred and our two-year-old Joshua. Okay, how long have you been at Sea Road? Uh, this November marked our one-year anniversary. We uh, moved to Tin Cap. So I want your opinion on what makes a good story. Okay, so when thinking about this, I thought a good fiction story um, centers around uh, characters. Characters I can connect with and I want to know their journey um, and maybe relate to. And a good non-fiction story is, uh, has to be something that's encouraging and that makes me want to get out and uh, serve Christ. Now is there anyone that uh, you want to say hi to? Sure, hi Joshua! <laughs> Thanks Amy. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks, Amy. I really appreciate that. It's so good to get to know you and uh, your husband, Fred, and little Joshua as well. We are just so glad that you're part of the family here at Sea Road. Hey, I am so glad that you have tuned in. Welcome to Church Online. Maybe you're watching on your phone or from your home computer. I'm just so glad that you've tuned in. Thanks for joining. You know, we're in week three of our New Year series, Short Stories, and we happen to be in the final week of our 28-day challenge. Now, you can check out our website at centennialroad.com to download the ideas that uh, we've put together to encourage you throughout this season. And I trust that you are being encouraged as we read through Acts, the book of Acts, together on a daily basis. And as we look at Jesus' teachings on Sundays. Now several of Jesus' teachings, they deal with small things and how small things can grow to be something big and substantial. And I can relate to that in my own life through the budding romance of a young Roger and a beautiful redhead named Julie. You know, I never believed in love at first sight, except that it happened to me. Now, it's probably more physical attraction at first sight rather than deep love. I will admit that, but uh, let me tell you the story. It was 1981, and uh, it was youth group. Our eyes met, and as I say, it felt like love at first sight. Now, there was a problem. Julie was already spoken for. She was engaged to somebody else, and so this uh, tiny seed of interest uh, I wasn't sure whether we ought to be watering it. Now, her sister, our friends, they kept saying to me, Raj, you need to ask her out. You need to be dating Julie. And I'm like, there's no way. I mean, she's engaged to somebody else. Uh, I do not want to be the reason for their breakup. It just so happened I moved away to Toronto from Peterborough to go to school. Uh, so there was, there was no way I could be involved. They needed to decide on their own. So, you know, I would come back home uh, some weekends and, and water those seeds of interest with like a longing look and a big smile. Um, but then, I'd, of course, I go back to school in Toronto and I prayed all year long. I'm like, Lord, why am I so attracted to this one girl, Julie, who's spoken for? You know, there's plenty of girls for me to choose from. Uh, well, it just so happened that her fiance also moved to the Toronto area for a job. He met somebody. He called off the engagement and he broke up with her over the phone. And that summer when I moved back to Peterborough, uh, her girlfriend said to her, you know that cute guy from Toronto? He's back in town, you need to give him a call. And so she did. And as they say, the rest 
is history. <laughs> Seeds of interest, you know, they're tiny, they're fragile. Uh, they may not grow because of distance or because of other relationship issues. They may have prevented that growth. But alas, romance blossomed. And uh, I'm going to show you a picture of us on our honeymoon in 1986 in Holland. And then, of course, we started our family. And here we are in 1989 with our two little ones who are now fully grown children. And we have two beautiful grandsons. A tiny seed of interest has grown over many, many years into a beautiful family tree. Well, you know, Jesus, he told parables about small things having the potential to grow into great things. That the kingdom of heaven itself was like the tiniest seed that can grow into the largest of plants. Let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew 13, starting at verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Now, I have three pictures that I want to show you. Number one, the tiniest mustard seed. Number two, the mustard plant as it's harvested today. And number three, a mustard tree that has been allowed to grow for a long time. Now, I want you to also to think about the human embryo. It's the tiniest of cells that grows into a human and over many years can grow into a six foot tall hockey player. From a tiny cell to a full grown human. So we see this type of thing in everyday life, in biology, in science, in agriculture. And Jesus was telling us that the kingdom of heaven is like that. So I want to call my message today, the power of small. The kingdom of heaven, it grows. It's amazing to think that something as large as a tree first started as a tiny seed. I pray that the power of small encourages us that whatever seeds we've planted for the kingdom of heaven can grow to be mighty. I want to encourage you parents and grandparents, you aunts and uncles, you youth workers, influencing children and grandchildren to fear the Lord. Your efforts are not in vain. The kingdom of heaven is like the tiniest seed that over time can grow into something very significant. Despite the storms that come along, uh, despite rejection and hardship, your efforts are not in vain. And Jesus himself is advocating for the power of small here. Your efforts are not insignificant. Now, I imagine some of you might be thinking, yeah, but if positive seed can grow, what about negative? Can't negative seed grow too? Well, you're right. Seeds of doubt, seeds of hopelessness, seeds of negativity, they can grow if we plant them and if we water them. So I want you to be careful what you're planting and what you're watering. You know, I knew a man who was having a particularly difficult season in his life. So he actually went to a fortune teller to see if his future would brighten. Now he was skeptical, but he still wanted to try something to bring hope into his life. And so when he went, this woman accurately told him about the number of siblings that he had, the number of brothers he had, the number of sisters he had, 
Uh, she accurately identified some characteristics about each of those people, as well as their spouses. But then she said this. She spoke of one of his brothers, the only minister in the family. And she planted a seed of doubt, a seed of suspicion. She said, that man has got two women in his life. Now the man, he, he laughed it off. He didn't believe her. He's like, yeah, his wife and his daughter. Um, and so he left the session. But he went home and he told the story, you know, to all of his family. And that seed of suspicion, that seed of doubt, even though he didn't believe it, got planted in some of the family members, the wife of the minister in particular. And so a seed of suspicion was planted. Now, I wanted to tell that story for two reasons. Number one, to illustrate my point about seeds growing, whether they're positive or negative, but also for this reason. We are in our 28-day challenge reading through the Book of Acts. And in chapter 16 and 19, we're reminded to not participate in occult activity. We might think that fortune telling and horoscopes and the like is just for entertainment, but actually it's dabbling with darkness. It's connected to evil. And so I want you to avoid it. You know, as a teenager, I used to read my horoscope all the time for entertainment value and, and actually just to see if there was some truth to what would be happening in my day. But then I came across this in Acts 16, verses 16 to 18. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Well, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Now, when I first read that passage, and this is 39 years ago now, I knew I shouldn't be reading my horoscopes. Even if I thought it was just for entertainment value, there is some connection with the evil realm. And so we need to avoid it. Now, in these days, when we're looking for hope, we're looking for relief, we're looking for help to deal with social distancing and being isolated, stay-at-home orders and the like, I want you to turn to healthy outlets. One way to water seeds of positivity is to connect with people who have that same goal. And lucky for you, we have got groups, groups online. Go to our connection tab on our website and scroll through the Sea Road groups picks to see what days or times fit you best and sign up. These groups are led by great people in our community who just want to be a support to you and help you in your walk of faith. For me, it's the power of small inaction. Now, it's in these days that we want to do more than just survive. We want to thrive. And the best way to do that is in community. Now, while it's true we can't gather in groups, we can gather online. And rather than wither away in our faith and in our existence, now is the time to connect and to be encouraged in your faith. Do not underestimate the power of small. Jesus didn't. 
You know, Jesus taught a lot from agriculture, but he also taught using kitchen analogies. It's verse 33. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now, I don't know anything about baking. I actually had to look it up. And I discovered that yeast is affected by water temperature if you, if you mix it with water to mix it in the dough. It's, it's affected by room temperature. It's affected by the amount of salt in your recipe. There's the stickiness factor of the dough. Uh, gluten has a role. You know, you got to let the dough ro rise twice for normal bread and just once for pizza crust. Uh, three times for brioche. You know, like I learned all this kind of stuff. This yeast analogy that Jesus used, it's for you bakers out there. All I can figure when I read it is this. A little goes a long way. She put only a little in three measures of flour and it permeated every part of the dough. So be encouraged by the power of small. A little goes a long way. You know, just a little bit of goodness can go a long way. You don't need a doctorate in theology to share the goodness of the kingdom of heaven. You don't need to be an encyclopedia of biblical knowledge. You just gotta be you and share the truth of the gospel that you know. Let it permeate everything that you are and do and say and leave it up to Jesus to work in you and through you to bring the kingdom of heaven to those around you. I want you to watch this video from our missionaries, Mike and Angela Chapman. We're going to hear how the power of a simple prayer can lead to astounding results. My name is Mike Chapman and this is my wife, Angela Chapman, and we are missionaries with Global Partners to the Karis people. We don't usually say the name of the region that we're serving in because of security reasons, so we say the Karis people. The Karis people represent a unreached Muslim people group located in Central Asia. I think most missionaries, they only have to answer the why question really once in their ministry. But in 2016, we were getting prepared to come to back to uh, the city to continue our ministry. And Angela and I were blacklisted from the country. And we found ourselves having to ask that question again. Why? What motivates us to continue? Is this a closed, is the Lord saying he no longer wants us to serve there? Is this Satan trying to throw a barrier in our way to keep us from sharing the gospel with this unreached Muslim people group? So we had to really fast and pray and ask God, is this call still on our lives? And I think what we both came down to is that nothing had really changed. These people are still unreached. Uh, God's heart yearns for these people to know him and we are still eager, willing, and equipped to reach these people with the gospel. So we are serving in a smaller community and as a result one of the biggest differences um, for me is the women that I'm ministering to are very uneducated, a lot of them have very traditional roles, are getting married very young and, and having children very young. So I feel like for me that's been um, a bit of a challenge to kind of reframe how I do ministry here. Uh, it's a lot more in the home 
and uh, there's a lot less going out for women. When we moved here, we really wanted to have an identity in the community that allowed us to not stick out. This is a small community, so we wanted to um, give ourselves a viable platform that allowed us to not only have a reason for being here, but also a way to make relationships. And so we decided to do uh, English teaching, and so we started a small English school, just Mike and myself, called Hello English, and we were able to get students who we then made relationships with. We have hosted parties and different outings to get to know them as a group, but then we've also invited them individually into our lives. Um, to do one-on-one -on -one meetings, uh, to have a deeper connection with them. So after we had gotten kicked out of the city we were serving in and we relocated to this uh, town, uh, one of the families that we really connected with were the Smiths. And uh, the Smiths, Ryan, Laura, and their son, Caleb, um, became kind of like our extended family. We did everything together, we worshipped together, we had accountability together, and we really shared lives together. Um, in 2018, in the summer, um, they went on a trip that they never came back from. Uh, they were tragically uh, taken from us, a senseless act of violence. We had these teammates who were such a godsend to us, who had been living life with us, and they were our family. That has not only mentally and spiritually impacted us, but also in terms of our work here, it has uh, dynamically changed what we're doing. Ryan started about eight years ago a rug weaving project that was aimed to help poor people in the villages economically and also to revive and sustain the ancient uh, tradition of carpet weaving. Angela and I fasted and we prayed about that and decided that I would step in as interim director and learning a whole new business from scratch um, in the wake of grieving the loss of dear, dear friends was a really big challenge for me. One of my friends, Seljan, uh, she was actually the, my first friend in the Karis Project and she, um, she has had a very traumatic past and that's been something that we've um, talked about and she's been very open about. But recently, um, she has fell again on some really difficult times, and um, there was one particular moment where uh, I had said that I would like to pray for her. I myself was thinking, oh man, how is my prayer going to be enough, sufficient for the, this, this traumatic thing that's happening in her life? And I just felt really unsure of it, and when I said amen, she was, had tears in her eyes, and she had told me that as my hand was holding her hand, she felt um, this warmth, and she said that she'd never felt as light or free before in her life, and she really wanted to experience that again. I think the first thing we both just want to say is how grateful we are for the sacrificial giving, for the heartfelt prayers that we know have been coming up, uh, going up to the Lord uh, year after year after year. And uh, we just want to say thank you so much. We hope that as we start this next term that you would prayerfully consider continuing to support us. This past term has been a term of setting up and preparation. 
and that preparation is for this coming term where we're all ready, everything's set up for us to go and to share and to minister and to evangelize and to disciple. And we just want to encourage you to continue with us to reap the harvest and reap the benefits of the hard work of the last three years. One thing Angela said was, how is my prayer going to be enough, sufficient for this traumatic thing? She even felt unsure. And for me, that is an example of the power of small. A little prayer, a small offering has the potential to grow into something great. The kingdom of heaven, it works in us and through us. So do not despise the smallness of whatever you think your life is. The power of small is this, it grows. It may take time, but it does grow. So water those seeds of faith, starve those seeds of doubt, and let the spirit of Jesus permeate everything you do and think and say. Now, maybe the Chapman's video has inspired you to give to missions. Well, go to our website, select the Give button, and you can donate to missions uh, in the drop-down menu. I pray that today you are inspired to value the power of small. Your prayers, your faith, your giving, your efforts for the kingdom of heaven, however small you think that they are, they have the potential to grow into greatness. Well, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that your son Jesus taught us that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And I ask that you give us eyes to see what you see, that the kingdom of heaven grows and, and that you even use us to foster that growth. I pray that your spirit would encourage our listeners in all matters of faith for your namesake, and for your kingdom. Amen.